Hey y'all, this is Calvin Lee. And Mr. Cornerstone. And you're listening to another episode of the Becoming, Becoming One podcast. podcast. What up though? So, hey everybody, we want to say hello, 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 and welcome back to those people who've been rocking with us and listening to us and having these conversations with us since day one, two, or ten. And hello to the first time listeners. Thank you for taking the time out of your day, out of your schedule to tune in and listen to us. You didn't have to do it, but you did. And so we appreciate you for doing that. If you didn't know, you can find us on Instagram and you can find us on Facebook. On Instagram, you can find us at Becoming the Number One Podcast. And if you want, you can leave us a voice message in our DMs. We do listen, we respond, we conversate, even though conversate is not a word. Or if you want to leave us a voice message on Anchor, if that's where you're streaming, you can leave us a voice message there as well. Or if you want to just send us an email, you can do that at becoming one podcast at gmail.com. Or you can just look us up on Facebook at becoming the number one podcast. And like, you know, like, comment, subscribe, share. You feel me? If you're if you're interested in what we're doing, you know, interact with us. But interact with us on the public platform. Yes. Please. You know, we're we're trying to uh, get some more traction out here. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. like, comment, subscribe, rate us on. Leave us reviews. Yeah. All that good jazz. So, I was in the middle of asking Travis how he's doing. I'm Gucci. Lake is up. Right now, it's halftime. Oh, and that's how they got to go. Yes. So, it's halftime. The Lake is up. And if the Lakers win this game, it'll be 3 1. So, it'll be likely they're going to clear that series just want you to look at his face as he talks about the lakers Mm. they can't see me well somebody might one day we haven't even uploaded any of these videos doesn't matter it's there when y'all see this you'll see what i'm talking about so the it's halftime they up if they win this series it'll be gucci they'll probably play the clippers next series so Mm. they need to hurry up and finish this one out yeah um, especially LeBron too old to be going seven games. LeBron you know? James. He need to finish it out and go sit down somewhere so he can get ready for the next one. Now see, it's funny that you say that because when we talk about being in our thirties, well, I'm in my thirties, you're not yet. But when we talk about people being thirty and up, like, oh, thirty's not old. But then you talk about an athlete, you're like, oh, they they need to go and get somewhere sat down. Yeah, but you're not having grown men. All I'm saying six is six foot plus, a hundred and eighty five pounds plus running to you on a daily basis i feel like i would have many zeros in my bank account if i had somebody that big running to me but you but you don't that's what i'm saying like that's your few 35 years old and you've been doing it for 17 years i'm just saying it's 35 sound way been, older than our version of 35 when we you, get there you've been doing it professionally i'm for just 17 saying years you know what i'm just saying like that's like he's aging like an animal years basically his that's body. like every day you wake up in the morning i just run into you no, that's the first thing. thing yeah that's the first thing that happens is i run into he's being extra right now anywho I'm doing great, y'all. You can't see my face, but I'm doing good. Um, same old, same old in terms of just being uh, not optimistic, but I'm just in a place of constant joy, I guess, just because I like the direction we're going in. Um, 
And when I, when I actually do do things, cause sometimes I stop myself, I get in my head, but when I do actually get things done, just seeing progress makes me want to do more. It makes me right. want to continue on with what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. anywho, so Travis, I know we kind of talked about this the other day, but this is something that got, wait, before we move on, before we move on real quick, but, uh, what you were just talking about is. He said, when you feel, when you feel progress, you kind of feel like that energy to make more progress, mm-hmm. right? That was a law. That was, I can't remember who said it, but it was one of the, it was in one of the books I read like, like three years ago. Um, but he was talking about the progress versus standing still and happiness and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And he, presented the idea that true happiness and true joy is progress so the idea that if you're not progressing forward then you're kind of dying if for lack of better words if you will right Mm -hmm. so if you're not growing then you're dying it's not like like a tree right so it's not like you stop at a place Mm And you say, well, I'm good here. Well, as soon as you stop, then you, you start losing. Decaying. Almost. Right. You start decaying. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So when you're progressing, you're like, I like this feeling. I'm going to keep progressing. That's you putting more life into your and body. And to just paint a small picture, I'm not going to give too many details, but I basically had a meeting with somebody and just over the course of that meeting, and it had to have been less than an hour, but just coming out of that meeting, I was like, man, I need to do this more often, which sounds weird. Like, you want to have more meetings? Yes. Because during the meeting, I was like, this is good. Nope. Da, 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 da. And it was like, man, I, I'm doing the thing, which yeah, you all will see like the thing boss. later. It did. It did. That's what it was. So you want to be a boss, you just do boss things. I, basically, you got to do it. So Travis, we kind of talked about this the other day, but for those of you who don't know, so we live in Charlotte, so this is kind of like a local situation, but it kind of will probably speak to other communities as well. So within the past 72 hours, it has come to light that there are um, five individuals, parents who are suing CMS. Mm-hmm. They're suing the public school system here. So I did a little digging because, you know, I'd be wanting to know what's going on. So I was able to actually look at the court documents for what the basis of the, the the suit was. So it says five Charlotte Mecklenburg schools parents have sued the district over opening an um, opening with all remote instruction, saying the decision deprives students of their constitutional right to a sound basic education. The lawsuit filed September 3rd um, in Mecklenburg County Superior Court and first reported on by the Charlotte Ledger claims CMS has put the needs of teachers above those of students it claims this is the thing that this is the kicker though it claims that students with special needs racial minorities and low-income students who lack access to online technology are especially harmed by being denied access to in-person classes i'm gonna stop right there the the suit said a lot of other different things made a lot of other different points but i'm just going to isolate that part because we can go down a lot of different paths with this right What I found out later as I was reading and looking at different articles, the five plaintiffs, the parents that are in this suit, these are not individuals who are of a minority background. They are not not, people of color. 
Yeah, they are not individuals who would be low income. And if they have children with special needs, these people work in the medical field. They are real estate agents. They work um, basically in middle, upper middle to upper class. That is the tax bracket that they are residing in right now. They are not someone who's living in an impoverished part of the city, an impoverished part of the county. That's not them. So basically they're using this argument that, oh, we need to open up so that these, you know, social, socioeconomically challenged families and these disenfranchised, disadvantaged individual children, you know, in these families, they can have a chance at a quality education. That's right. the basis of their argument. Mm -hmm. I have a huge issue with that because it's like, if you want your children to go back to school, there's a lot of different ways that you can tackle that without using these minority populations as your leverage in your argument. Right. And they're not doing that. Right. And it's like, do you think nobody's going to notice that you use this as a part of your argument when this clearly has absolutely nothing to do with you? And if it's such an issue with these disenfranchised populations needing this quality education, what, where were these people at when, you know, these schools would go the entire year without heat or air, right. or they would have or infestations books. or mold or buildings are falling apart. So where were you at? If it's such a big deal that they have this quality education, why weren't you barking up the tree back then? Right. Not because your kids can't go to the nice school that they go to. Now it's an issue and you're going to kind of try to group in the issues of other people that you wasn't speaking up for now. Now you want to say something? Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Uh, honestly, I think it's like a uh, like a smokescreen, mm. kind of like what you were talking about. And I think they just put that in underneath it to further push their point. Mm -hmm. If I'm so, I got two sides mm -hmm. of me, you know, if you will, bipolar. If, I'm not bipolar, but if you will, I got I got two sides, nicer. right? So one side of me says that the one side of me gives them the best story that I can think of. Right. Okay. And that's the story that I should be living off of. You know, that's that. Y'all owe me reparations anyway. That's the Christ. That's the Christ side that I should be living off of, giving them the best story, which is that with everything going on, they're trying to do what they believe is best for everybody and push. That's the best story that I can think of. Mm -hmm. They're pushing for rights you know and with this being america you can push for whatever yeah you know you have the freedom to fight for what you believe in mm -hmm. and if they believe that their fight for a certain community is to do this you know then the maybe that that's what they're trying to do that's the best story i can think of but the even but even with that best story, I find issues in that you didn't ask anybody from that community. You just said, well, this is what's best for you. Mm -hmm. And you decided to make that move. Right. Um, that's where I can find issue with that best story that I can think of. And then the story that I kind of settle on is is just pure selfishness, mm -hmm. because like I said, you didn't ask ask anybody. You're being a spokesperson for a community you don't even represent. Right. That you're not even a part of. You Then you, you claim that they're putting the teacher's lives above the students. 
when the teachers who, who are the teachers anyway the teachers who have cared for taught and spend the most time with spend the most time with and you know if i'm gonna reach for it have raised these kids all of a sudden that something happens in the world and all of a sudden their brains turn to well we don't care about the children anymore mm-hmm. do they think that that just turns off that's a good point you know what i'm saying these teachers have been a part of these students lives especially when you're talking about like the lower income type, these families are working. The lower income bracket that you are, the harder you have to work. These families are working hard, which means that these students are spending a lot of time with these teachers. Mm-hmm. So these teachers care for deeply about these students and they're going to make, they're going to push for what they believe is best for the students and the teachers because both their lives are on the line. And this is something else that just kind of popped out to me when I was thinking of this whole situation. When it, and I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole, but just thinking of how it seems like society continually makes it a point to benefit off of the mishappenings and the struggles that happen to these disenfranchised minority individuals. That's if, what pisses me if off. If there's a death, you know, or, or murder or killing, let's make a documentary. Let's make a video. Boom. You're gaining money off of that. Or, you know, something else happens. Oh, well, let's, let's, you know, spin the story and make it to something where we get all these viewers or this, that, or the other. It's like, it's not about you. Right. But you're trying to make it so that someone else's struggle is beneficial to you in some way and you're trying to paint this picture we're trying to inform people we're trying to help people we're trying to make it easier for them no really you're just either trying to line your own pocket or you're trying to push your own agenda and get done what you want done like what i can't fathom i I just i can't wrap my mind around the notion that there's so much time and energy being poured into going through the efforts of, of filing a lawsuit. Did, did you explore any other options for your children? And even beyond the lawsuit, like if, the, if that's where your heart truly is, if enough that you put it in a lawsuit, like you better be at those schools come when they actually open back up. Listen, so, and I didn't ask her for permission to put the audio in here. Otherwise, I would have done that because I think it would have been so like dope to have it in here. So I'll just kind of paraphrase what was said. But there's a teacher, mm-hmm. a CMS teacher who teaches at one of these disenfranchised schools, a Title I school. So usually Title I schools, they basically get extra government money because the student population reflects those of someone who's in need in some way, shape, or form. IEPs, um, low socioeconomic status, those different types of things. And basically what this teacher said, she was you know, speaking on her own platform. Uh, she was basically saying that they're not going to use her kids, her students as scapegoats because they want the schools to open back up. So she was, you know, saying like, you want to use my babies to push your agenda? Like, like if you're going to be so adamant about, um, you know, opening these schools, put your money where your mouth is basically. Like if you want these schools to open up so bad and these disenfranchised students are such, such near and dear to your heart that you got to put it in the lawsuit, make sure you send your kids to these schools that you say need all these, this different attention. Put your tax dollars into right. these schools, into these systems where they need it the most. And just coming out of my experience, when you're dealing with, you know, these schools, uh, this wasn't in Charlotte, this was in Michigan. When you're dealing with these schools, like they are asking for books, they're asking for mentors 
Um, a lot of them specifically black male mentors, uh, or even, but if you're not, you know, they'll take you They're, They want all types of mentors, mm -hmm. right? They're asking for people to volunteer. They're asking for people to show up to school board meetings or, uh, field trips, whatever the case is. And when I, whenever I go to volunteer, cause that's what it's always been mm -hmm. when I'm mentoring these kids, I'm coming out of my own pocket to mm -hmm. do whatever it is that I decide that we're going to do with these kids to give them something to look forward to or something that helps them push forward in life, mm -hmm. whether that's in the after school program or big brothers, big sisters or whatever it was I was doing or whether it was a mother that just asked me to step into that role. Right. I have to come out of my own pocket. Now, these folks got all this money to come because I think their their houses were evaluated for like a million or yeah, something like that. They living nice. If, if they if they're living that nice and it, it's on their heart so much, right? Like actually do something that's going to push their education forward, not just say, "Hey, everybody, go back to school," and then leave them in the same situation. If you actually cared, right? Do something that's gonna keep pushing them forward. And to me, when I just flipping through, um, cause this is pretty lengthy when you pull up the document, the legal document for the court, but it seems like it's almost like a brat mentality. Like I want this and you're not giving me what I want. So now I'm going to manipulate you to make you do what I want. And it's right. like, if you're so set on your kid attending school in person, there are other schools available besides public schools. And they will do so it. So many more available. Private schools aren't going in person. There's some charter schools that are doing in person. Like it's not if like it's taken, unavailable completely. If they were taking that same money, they could have had an in-home tutor. They to could make have, sure that they were the fact that there's straight. five plaintiffs. Yes, there's more than enough money to pull that together. And I think between the five plaintiffs, there was two, three, four, maybe five children, six yeah. if I can't count. Like but. one of those communities that. We talked about before. it would have been so like problem solved. So yeah. why, what is it? Why is it such a need to get the kids in the school? What what's the big? I don't understand what the big deal is. Especially when you think about the impacts of like you you really have to not believe that the coronavirus is real to do something like this, right? Like I've had just in my personal in my tight circle, not mm -hmm. just somebody that I know from a certain time, people that I have close relationships with have had it um and have been literally put not like put down like a dog but put down to the spot Taken where like, they could not move mm -hmm. some of them were coughing up blood people were uh you know what i mean like they couldn't breathe they couldn't some one of them went to take the trash out and literally spent all of his energy right this stuff is real and you can't put that off on families that you know nothing about right mm -hmm. so if something of that nature hits a family mm -hmm. right let's say they pay for a minimum health insurance and now you have to send your kid to to a hospital stay for two weeks mm -hmm. huh and what i read was some of the kids because apparently there's been no no deaths for as it pertains to children and COVID within um, mecklenburg county but the even with the hospitalizations, some kids were hospitalized just as a precautionary measure. Yeah. Well, that bill ain't free, right? <laughs> Who's gonna pay you know for what that? I'm saying? Like you, 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 you want me to uh, send them there 
for the possibility of them getting sick mm-hmm. and then that comes with what a fifty thousand dollar plus hospital stay because it's not like these schools and, and let me let me be clear it's not the argument of should they go to school should they not go to school for face value when you're looking at these public schools the buildings themselves the space that they have it's not set up to be able to accommodate all of the students and socially distance at the same time there's no room you can't so i don't i don't know if these parents are just like not i don't know if they're not thinking of that considering that to me it's like they're using this population that they you know push in this suit as like it made me think of like feed the children See, what I think about is, and I, I like that, but what I think about is like they, they look at their surroundings and then they say, well, you know, well, this is how my kid thinks or mm-hmm. my kid acts or whatever. So all kids must be the same. Now for us, I believe, you know, that I'm not sure which is best. Mm-hmm. That's my personal thoughts and beliefs. I don't know if it's best to keep the schools closed. Or open. I know that it's safer to keep them closed. Mm-hmm. Now, with us in our family, we decided to allow TJ to go to the charter school, mm-hmm. right? Because the way they had it set up, we thought it was safe enough for him to go. Now, if that was everybody, if it was a full class, schools, 30, no. 30 kids in the class, 25 Absolutely kids? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. No, you can't. You know, and even now, you know, we, I kind of had that itch to pull them out, mm-hmm. even with these past couple of weeks that he's been there and I'm like, no, you gotta come back. But I'm fighting that itch in my own brain. So I understand the the thought of, you no, know, they need to be in school. Mm-hmm. You know, especially for the younger kids. I understand that thought or that feeling. But this stuff is real. And it's yeah. a gamble that you really have to take. Because you know it's real, but at the same time, just in TJ's case, uh Virtual learning just wasn't working. And for, for some people, you're is a battle between risking mental and emotional health and risking physical health. The only difference I think between the two is the upfront cost of the physical health is more. Well, even with the virus, you know, it's still something new, but that virus is supposed to have long lasting effects. Like it can. That's what I'm That's saying. That that particular cost, the physical cost is higher money yeah. monetarily speaking than you know having to go to therapy or and that's well, just keeping it within the parameter of nothing extreme or significant well i mean happening. but that i who's to say that that doesn't go away like they might that might be an ongoing cost for your life mm-hmm. imagine being a child and your parents say yeah you should be in school mm-hmm. then you get the coronavirus from going to school mm-hmm. And now you have internal damage in your organs and your body doesn't operate the way it could at a high level. So now you right? have a pre-existing condition. Or if or if it, nothing happened and then five years later you find out it actually did do some damage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I have friends of that nature and, you know, you don't we don't know it could affect growth because your organs aren't operating properly you don't know how it affects your mental state Mm -hmm. and then if these things are happening and you don't have a say in the matter about your own like health or what you want to do like your parents just tell you to to go Mm -hmm. and do and now your life is altered because your physical body 
was damaged yeah. as a result of somebody else's decision. Mm-hmm. Like that's a big mental toll too. Yeah. You're right. And it's interesting. Like I, I was having a conversation with a nurse, a black nurse, and she was talking about how she was like adamant about the schools being open, but it didn't seem like it phased her or even caused any type of bother to her that the way the suit was kind of expressed or articulated, like whatever approach they needed to take to get these kids back in school, she was all right with and yeah. she was like, what? And she literally said to me, she said, well, you know, there's the common cold and the flu and the virus is always going to be around and they need to just open the schools back up. And, and I'm just thinking to myself, you work in the medical field like this is you. This is what you believe. Yeah. And I'm sorry, just to even go a step further, like when the Spanish flu hit, schools were closed for like four months. Not every school across the country, but they were like. Th- at least over a thousand schools that closed for like the course of four months. So I if schools that. closed for the course of four months back in like 1918 and people freaking out now, it's what just the beginning of September mm-hmm. school. Yeah. They closed schools at the be- at the end of the year last year. What March it, the, the difference between the Spanish flu, the difference between the Spanish flu and the coronavirus. um, is that the Spanish flu, like you got the onset of symptoms soon. Like you felt the chills and all these other different things. The coronavirus got a, a, up to a two week window of just being dormant. And that's what the issue is. Mm-hmm. So I just, I have a hard time hearing people argue to open schools without having that same expressed understanding of the significance I just, for me, um, I just feel like there. I feel as though you should make the best with where you're at. Mm-hmm. So if you have the option, if you want to send your kids to school, right, mm-hmm. then fight for that option. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you should force everybody to go to school because everybody doesn't feel comfortable going to school especially right now we don't know much about anything about this virus except it keeps mutating yeah it keeps mutating you know maybe two to four weeks we just don't know Mm -hmm. right so people should what's up people sorry about that we had an interruption but uh yeah so like i was saying i don't think that people should be forced to uh do something with their kids yeah this detrimental that they aren't ready for right like these are our kids these are our children and we're trying to make the best of the best decision for our family our children that we can you can't just come into other people's homes and force them to do something with their children Mm -hmm. you know and Let's say, and I don't want to, again, I'm not, I don't speak for everybody. These are my thoughts. But when, if you're in a situation where you are a part of like the Charlotte school district and you want your kids to be around other kids, but it's all virtual, then like I said, do the best you can with what you got. Find a couple other families that want the same thing. All y'all can do have virtual learning at, you know, your homes. 
at your five homes or whatever it is and just, you know, rotate homes. You're at Susie's house Monday. Uh, I don't know, Katrina's house Tuesday, who, whatever. And you just keep rotating during that five day week. Right. So each family will get the kids one day a week. They do all their virtual learning that day at the uh, at that home with their equipment, whatever it is. They can do their study time, their breaks, yada, yada together. And then you just keep them close. It right? just seems like people are being they're leaning more towards complaining than trying to be strategic and problem solve with what they have. Right. We just do the best you can with what you have. If, pe- if people want their kids to be at home and just learn virtually, then they should do that. If you want to be in school with your children, if that's what you decide to do, then you should find a way to do that. If you're not allowed to do that with the public school system, then create your own thing. Like there's people homeschool all the time. They homeschool and do co-ops. And from my understanding, a co-op is I did not see, but I see it in the trash. Basically, a co-op is when you homeschool your children, but there are like electives or other opportunities where they get together and do non-traditional learning together so it's not like there are no solutions and people will argue well you know i don't have the time or i'm not a teacher or the charter schools have a wait list well if you just want to look at the negative and everything then yeah you won't be able to see any type of good solution to the situation you're in and i mean that's life things are going to happen things always do happen that you don't like that you can't control but you can at least pivot and adjust and shape the outcome the best way you can. Right. And this is my last thing that I'm going to say about it. I feel as though people uh, who are have do have these kids, they're trying to get their kids to have their childhood, some version of their childhood. Mm, yeah. Right. Like, no. I went to school. Yeah. I went to school and this is how I felt about it. Kids have to be in the school class. They have to ride the bus mm-hmm. or they have to walk 10 miles, whatever you feel about yeah. however you went to school. Right. It makes them who they are. Like, your kids don't have your childhood. That's true. They don't have your brain and they don't have your experiences. Their childhood experience is going to be their childhood experience. And our job as parents is just to allow them to have the best version of their childhood mm-hmm. experience that they can have, not whatever successes or troubles that we had in school, but where are they with their school experience, with their childhood experience? How can we shape that to best as that we can, right? If they mm-hmm. see us just sitting around complaining all day, well, they can't, well, they can't, what they going to do when they get older? Yeah. Just complain. Right. They need to see us being solution-based just as much as we need to see them in their future solution-based. And it, it just to kind of leave on this note, it makes me think of the conversation we had before when I said, I don't want TJ to wear a mask. Like I don't, I literally said, I don't want this to be a part of his childhood that he remembers, but there's really nothing I can do about that. Like I waited so long to get him a mask because I did not want him to have to wear one. I didn't want him to have to remember this part. Clearly, I I underestimated how long this virus was going to be around. Um, But just making the best out of what we got. So I got masks with things on it that he liked. He likes, you know, dinosaurs. And I let him pick out a couple. And he cool with it. Like He'll wear the mask. No issue, no problem. But 
I couldn't, that's not something I could have just stamped out or erased out of his childhood. It's going to be something he remembers, but just making the best out of it. I feel as though when the parents do things, when we do things um, and we look at it like, no, this is so much trauma, trauma, Mm -hmm. trauma, trauma. I feel like, and this is just off the cuff, that to me could be one of the reasons why it can be traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Like if we go about it as if you're like, yo, this is a horrible situation, but this is the best thing that we can do. There's trauma associated with that, obviously, because it's bad. Like coronavirus is bad. So there's trauma associated with that. But as far as their other parts of their life that mm-hmm. don't have to be traumatizing, yeah, we don't have to make it traumatizing as if, oh, it's so horrible. horrible. Yeah. Right. We can adjust and make whatever part of their life good that we can because they feed off of us right they re like if they see us panic oh i clearly need to be panicking right now we're like oh okay we're gonna figure this out they're like okay not that yeah. bad yeah the things that are traumatizing you know let that be traumatizing we can't just kind of ignore that but the things that can be good or altered for, for their benefit yeah let's find that silver lining and and go about it what these people are doing these families, as far as suing the school system, unnecessary, uncalled for, and selfish, yeah. in my opinion. It's, it's a bunch of money that's going to, I think, I feel like it's just going to be going to waste because it's not like this is free. Like, even if the school system is going to court, it's coming out of somebody's pocket. Somebody's paying right. for the, all the time and the legal fees and all these other things. So. Right. Whew. So, y'all, that's what was on my <laughs> mind today. Okay. It was a yeah. lot. But we just wanted to share and we wanted to talk with y'all. So For sure. You know, this is Confidently Free. And Miss Cornerstone. And you just listened to another episode of the Becoming, Becoming One, One Podcast. Podcast. All right, y'all. Be easy. Peace.